Hey, podcast listeners, Rhea here. Just wanted to let you know that I'm accepting applications for the last session of the Fundraising Accelerator. If you want to raise more money from major donors and high net worth individuals, this is the place for you. The session will run from October to November 2021. Special pricing is available for students who enroll before July 31st. Check it out at RhiaWong.com. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Hey, podcast listeners. Welcome once again to Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, my guest is Laura Friedrichs. I am so excited. I am obsessed with her book, The Ask. We are going to talk about the art of the ask. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Has everybody got their energy? Pump it up, y'all. This is exciting stuff. This is where you're literally going to get the money. So, Laura, before we jump into all of the things about the ask, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and how you've arrived at the ask? Because you have a very interesting background story. <laughs> I'm a old soul in a young body. Let me put it that way. Everybody's like laughing, saying, yeah, yeah, I agree. A variety of careers, like I think almost all of us have. We have just like one dimensional, right? So I started as a journalist. And what do you do? You ask good questions. And then from there, I'm a lawyer. And actually, Ray, it was, it was interesting. And, and looking back, and when people ask me this question, I realized that I won almost every case I had. I worked for the attorney general's office in civil mm. litigation for, I think I won almost every case on cross-examination because you ask good questions. And then from there, they got into philanthropy. And what do we do? We want to find out about people. So you ask good questions. And then the real impetus of all this was I, I discovered even just asking for yourself or for money or whatever it is, it was torturous for some people. I mean, they would go way out of their way to swallow poison before asking or asking. And I said, you know, about me, whenever there's a problem, we fix it. And how we fix it is by doing organization structure and focus into something that no one wants to do. And so I created the ask. And there's one thing I know people like steps. Don't you like steps to follow? Just give me the path, Lord, give me the words. And so I just started putting structure into a thing that was totally amorphous and out came the ask. Okay, I want to unpack that a little bit because I am on a one-woman mission to get people to stop talking about the pitch. Like people say the pitch and I want to just stab myself in the eye because they go into these conversations as like a pitch and it's like it's a conversation. It is you ask good questions, you try to figure out what the person cares about and you try to align it with the work of your mission. Tell me about people and pitches and fundraising because it makes me crazy. Well, the problem about pitches is they're too rigid because like there's a path. And the other thing is like everybody watches Shark Tank for like 22 years or however long it's been on. Now they have a formula and the formula works and that's okay because you have people, they want to hear what it is, blah, blah, blah. But it always boggles my mind is you know what they want and you're not giving it to them. So there you are. But pitches are too concrete. And the secret about asking is being the superior listener. We got a lot of themes for you today. You have to be that superior listener. I know you've heard all this before, but remember in any conversation, and like Rhea said, asking, it's a conversation. You talk 25, they talk 75. It's got to be this formula. The ask breaks down because you're over asking it, you're over pitching it, you're not listening, you don't know how to pivot. So remember, second theme, it's pivot, don't pitch. Okay, you've got to pivot. 
Because any words you hear that you don't understand, you have to say, Rhea, to the extent you feel comfortable, I think I heard you say this. Did I understand that right? And you always have to be in the same lane. What happens is you go off in another area, they go here and the conversation dies down and the ask never happens. So let's talk about some reasons why people screw up the ask. And I have my own theories about that, one of which is our feelings about money. Obviously, this is about fundraising. And I also think it's about a lot of anxiety. But can you tell us like some of the most common reasons how and why people screw up the ask? So I'm going to tell you, in my 30 years of doing this, remember I said, young soul, the number one reason why people do not ask, you feel you'll be unprepared for the response you get. It is not fear. It is not rejection. You were two years old. The first word you heard was, what? No. Okay. We're all how old now? Okay. It is your fear that you will be unprepared for something you'll get back. And this is why your boards don't ask. They're successful in what they do. They are not going to set themselves up for failure. They're going to hear something that they're not going to have to respond. No one likes to be off guard. No one likes to look at deer in the headlights. And so what do we do? We let what I call the three devils fill in luck, chance, and time. I spend more time. They're just going to do it. You know what? They gave a gift over here. They're going to do it for us too. That's luck. No, we have a way to get you prepared and to feel confident about it. But that is the number one reason. Number two, and I do have two, we rely on assumptions and expectations. We assume the person's just going to do the right thing. We assume more time, I'll get what I want. Or the person's been on our board, been on our committee, chaired this. Of course, your expectation, she or he will do the right thing. Assumptions, expectations, you've got to wipe them away. How many times were you disappointed because something didn't happen, whether you want someone to chair a campaign, be on your committee, make a gift, open a door, and they didn't do it. And you felt lousy. Why? You had the expectation. But did we do the work to make that successful? Probably not. So let's talk about what the work is to make that successful. Can okay. you unpack that for us? I can. I can. Let's call on somebody, anybody, all you gorgeous people here, put in the chat one ask you need to do or an ask you did do that did not go well. And I'll show you how we can do this. So Rhea, you get to pick. Oh, I love it. Real-time coaching. All right. Let's see. I am going to, I'm going to call on Karen Hollywood. Karen, why didn't you ask? Sure. So I was interested about corporate supporters. And so asking for a bigger gift for a longer period of time, like a two-year commitment, and the response being, it's post-COVID, things are tough. We'd like to stay at the same commitment for one year and trying to grow a sponsorship like that. Okay, here we go. This is excellent. You ready? Remember I started off saying the ask is about organization structure focus. Let's put this to the test. I have a five-step process that you will get exactly what you want if you follow the five. So Karen, we're going to use your examples. We're going to work this whole thing through. You ready? So you heard what Karen said. So what did she say? She wants a two-year commitment from a corporate sponsor. We all heard that. Now, let's get this down. Tell me how much that is. We were interested in $100,000 commitment for each year. Okay, 100000 over two years or 100000 each year? This always trips me. Each, each year. year. So totally you want 200000 Yes. Step number one, know exactly what you want. 
with numbers and dates. So what is missing here? Tell me now that you know, step number one is tell me exactly what you want with numbers and dates. We're interested in your commitment for $100,000 per year, first year being 2021 to 22, the second 2022 to 2023. Getting close. I want to know exactly within 2021 and exactly within 2022 that you want my 100000 Do you see what we're doing here? We're going to make this so crystal clear. So let's go. Tell me again. We're very interested in your support of $100,000 in 2021 to 2022 the spring 2021 season to spring 2022 season, and again, $100,000 in the spring 2022 season to 2023 season. Okay. What I would do is fine, Karen. What I would do, though, is really, if I don't know what the spring is, mm -hmm. it could be April through July 1st as corporate sponsor, corporate princess right now. That sounds really good, <laughs> doesn't that? I want to know the date. Is that by April 15th, 2022, we would like you to consider a $100,000 corporate sponsorship. And on April 15th, 2023, we would like you to continue that at 100000 Now I can see it. Mm -hmm. No it's ranges. interesting you say it this way, Laura, because the reason this didn't work was because the project was still in flux when the ask was made and the dates were not solidified. And so it was very interesting watching this all play out and how hard it was for them to say yes or no based on that. So thank you. You're welcome. Number one, know exactly what you want with numbers and dates, specific dates. Know by the end of the year, know by the calendar year, give me a date. You can move it around, but let me see it. 100,000 by April 15th is a lot different than support our spring season. Let's make it easy. That's number one. Okay. Wipe it away. Number two, everybody take a deep breath here. This is going to get over the reason why people don't ask. Right, and I mean right, the old-fashioned way, 15 things you think this corporate sponsor is going to say to you. And I'm going to kick it off. There's always the top three, and then we can get to them. Why me? Why now? What will it do? Mm. Why my company? Why do you need it now? And what is it going to do? So the why me is easy, but not. But I want you, especially with corporate sponsorships, and let me tell you, the good news is a lot more companies are making larger gifts. I know Giving USA came out, corporate giving went down, we understand why, but they are in the business to partner with you. And in any ask with a corporate sponsorship, it is a must. It's not even a if, it's a must use the word partnership. They don't want to be one and done here. They want to align with you. And guess what? They need you more than you need them. Why? <laughs> we have databases. We know matrices. We have research. They probably don't know who their customers are. They don't know if their customers moved away. You have got to partner with them, but longstanding. That's why you want it. Why now? That's probably easier because we all know we all need to move forward. We're all re-emerging on on. But the third is what will it do? And please don't over-talk it because what Karen might do, but of course you won't, is just say, well, the season's here and we said we have a new ED and we've got a, all these things coming and then you're going to over-talk it and then they're going to forget. So you write 15 things you think someone's going to say. So it's why me, why now, what will it do? That's three. Karen, what's number four? What are they going to say? Oh, their responses? We're going to anticipate oh, what they're that, going that, to say. That's not mission aligned for us right now. We're focused on COVID relief. There you go. What's number five? 
we have overextended our budget for the year. There you go. And you see where we're going. Number six, I don't decide, someone else does. Number seven, all our funding is gone for the next three years. Who knows? And you keep going. That's part one. Now you have that list. Now what will you say to each of them? And you go back and write it. They're out of funding. Perfectly understandable. Help me explain your new cycle of funding. That'll be terribly important to me because they're all are going to change. You write down each response. And that's what overcomes you from not asking. Now you're prepared. 15 things are going to say and what you'll say to each. Now, are you going to hear something that is not on the top 15? Of course you are. Guess what? That becomes number 16 and you keep this list going. I found out about step number two when I was the vice president of Pace University. We're doing a humongous campaign and there was a person, here we go, expectations and assumptions. The gentleman had been on our board for 11 years, chaired finance, blah, blah, blah. He knew every aspect of it. And he was one of the first people who were asking for a very large campaign gift. And when the president and I did, he looked at me and said, Laura, what makes you think I have that kind of money? <laughs> that became number 16. <laughs> so you're going to hear things, but write them, write them down. Got it? Everybody good? Number three. Now, if you notice, maybe not, what am I doing? I'm standing. What do I stand? My voice, my energy. More people give you what you want just because you look good and you're confident. Easy as can be. Show up. How you show up is what will come to you. You've got to show up. Now, we've been doing a lot of this this way. Any of you who have to do asks, important meetings from home, stand up your voice, your energy, your magnetism. It's a whole different ballgame than this body language. Zoom has made it very easy. We can see more reactions than you could if you were sitting, having coffee, having dinner, taking a walk, whatever. It's actually allowed us to read the donor so much better. Think of it as a positive, not a negative. Yes, we want to see people in person. For those who still don't feel comfortable, there's plenty that do. Look at it this way. Rhea and I were just talking. It's like, well, Zoom could be a mirror. Maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. We're not too sure, but it's a mirror. Okay, exactly what you want, numbers and dates. Prepare the conversation. Show up. It's time to shine. Number four, Laura's personal favorite. Number four, clarify what you think you heard to the reaction. Clarify what you think you heard. So Karen, corporate sponsor says to you, gee, I really have to think about that. What do you say? you have any questions that would help me clarify what we're asking? Okay. Now, this is the most important piece. This is going to make your life. Okay. What don't we know? You don't know the it. I have to think about it. What is the it? You have to know exactly what it is because if you don't guess what happens, you start guessing, you start assuming. I asked at the wrong time. It was too much. They look distracted. Like you said, we're still giving to COVID or racial inequality. You're going to go in assumption land, but you don't know the it. All you have to say is corporate sponsor. <laughs> to the extent you feel comfortable, use your own words. Those are Laura's. Can you share with us what you're thinking about? Now, here's the most important piece. I'm here to help you. The ask is a group hug. Bring them back in. Don't blurt it out. Step back. Think about it. I'll get back to you. Bring them in. We or I am here to help you. And now what happens? We're in a discussion. 
We're in a discussion of the it. And now we're going to find out of the 15 things what the it is. Could be timing. Could be we decide we're going to give out a bunch of 5,000s and no 100,000s. And you work through it. But you're on the same page. It's like walking on the runway. You can step off it. You can step on it. You've got to be in the same lane. Your job is to find out the it. But again, we've learned your tone, theme number four, is as important as your words. So look at the way I said it was very inviting. To the extent you feel comfortable, can you share with us what you're thinking about? We're here to help you. I have never had the response, simply not going to share it. That's just for me to know and for you to find out. You're not going to get this. That's step number four, Laura's personal favorite. And number five, get your next move right now. So whatever it is, Karen, let's say we didn't think about doing a multi-year thing. I'm not sure we can do this. I got to send this up north or whatever. Now we know. Say, great, fabulous. How about I call you like today is Thursday and it's like 1221 Eastern Standard Time. How about I call you Monday, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard? You see what I'm doing? We're getting it going. If she walks away or comes off a Zoom or whatever, it'll take you on average three weeks to get corporate sponsor back in contact with you. And those are the five steps. You know who loves these five steps? Oh, just take a guess. Come on, anybody. Take a guess. Donor. Yeah, that's a good one. Your board members. Because guess what? They have a path. They know what to do. There's a checklist. There's structure. They're like, okay, I can do that. Okay, I can do that. But if you hand them, like we all do, a list, call these people and let's get some corporate sponsorship. How much progress are you going to get? Zero. How about you and I walk through these five steps with two people and let's get going? Yes. <laughs> Those are the five steps for you. I love that. So many questions. But before we get to the ask, I'm just wondering, can you talk us through how to set up the ask? Because I feel Mm. like so many times we're nervous about like, when is the right time? Have I spent enough time warming up the relationship to get to the ask? And I feel like in my experience, people wait too long to ask. They do. And Rhea, let's put it in real time. A lot has changed since last March. Seriously. And you've got to be ready. People are deciding on the spot. You know why? Last year, across the planet, gave us a really good chance to step back and think, what's important to me? Where do I want to make a mark? Most importantly, where do I want a home? And by home, I mean, if I am to give my time or my money, what makes me feel safe and secure? Where's my home? And they all know it. So when you come and ask, it's yes or no, very, very infrequently, you're going to have, oh, well, get back to me like next December. So number be ready for it. And all I can say is, it's your instinct. If the conversation is going well, and here's my test, I love the five steps, but here's my second big, big piece for you. You ready? Is everybody ready? When you hear, what do you want? How can I help? What do you need? You go. That's your invitation to ask, and we skip over it. What do you need? How can I help? What can I do? Stop talking about your programs, your season, on and on, and this is as easy as it gets, and this is brand new. It shall be the source of my next book. (laughs) Say, Bria, wow, I wasn't prepared, and be honest. You weren't. Get this and stay with me. But since you asked how you can help, this is how you can And guess what? 
The ask was their idea. It wasn't yours. What do you need? How can I help? What can I do? And it just lifts it all off you. So good. So good. All right. Let me ask you about something that I get a lot of the time, which is you have such a brilliant phrase here that I want to make sure we share it with everybody. When board members are uncomfortable asking their personal friends to support their cause and you have a brilliant thing around, I have no idea. So can you talk to us about how to use the phrase, I have no idea? And this goes because I know we have some people in business and sales. And remember, there is one ask, personally or professionally, nonprofit or business. There's one ask. It's not different. It is not different. It's the same conversation. the same whatever. Customers, clients, whatever. You have to share with board members as much or potential investors. At any moment of time, you truly do not know what the person has and does not. And if last year didn't teach us, we were under a rock You really don't know. I don't care what iWave research you show me. In that moment of time, you truly don't know. So if a board member feels uncomfortable, say to her or him, listen, what we're going to say is we really don't know if you are able to do this. But what we do know is that we've heard and listened to your passion. And this is it. That's what we do know. And what we do know is you've got to get into their moment. We followed you pick out words is good. You've shared with us this. That's what we do know. And everyone goes like, oh, okay. But it's true. It's absolutely true. So if they're uncomfortable asking for a merger, asking for a million dollars, asking someone to join a committee with them, just say, listen, we really don't know if this fits within what you can do. But we do know, and I love it. Once you do this, this program is going to sail. Once you do this, people look up to you. We're going to get other people. And that's what you say. Okay, let's go back to the ask because I think that the fear of rejection is often what keeps people from asking. So we've talked about the yes would be great. I think you talked about the maybe, the sort of amorphous maybe of like, I have to think about it Mm -hmm. or I need to run that up the flagpole or I need to talk to my financial. Like that's the maybe, the gray area, the friend zone, as I like to say. What happens when we get a no? You want to know, oh, look at this. It's like, what? We want to know. First of all, you have a definitive answer. What you don't want is maybe, 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 maybe. You don't want the maybes. You want the no's. You know why? Someone made a decision, but our job is dive deep. Totally fine. Say them. Totally fine. Totally fine. It is important to me so I can learn. Can you share with me why this is no now? No now. And you add that in. You all know this. No now is not no later. Learn. Make this a learning If you don't know the answer, you can't go forward. And you can always go forward. No is like a springboard. It gave you a little springboard. And they'll tell you and say, okay, and I use this expression. Listen, you've got to have a sense of humor in this business. You really do. And say, listen, life is long. And if you don't mind, we'll circle back next April and see what we can put together. And you already planted the seed. That's it. You've already planted the seed. Life is long. We're going to come back and we'll see. Because again, if last year didn't teach us what can change on a dime, nothing did. Underlying all of this is the sense of not taking it personally. And I think when we are asking, especially if we're so emotionally and personally committed to a cause, how do we not take it personally? Because I think that's ultimately what it's about, right? It's like, I'm going to be offended if they say no to me because somehow it says something about me. I personalize it in some kind of way. Can you talk to us about how we depersonalize it? It's not about you. Theme number five, 
The win is that you made the ask, not the result. Come off the result. The win, this way your body looks good, your eyes look good. You did the best ask you possibly could. You won. Stop getting so focused about their response because when you stop that, your ass becomes stronger. It becomes more confident. It's got to practice. I'm not saying this is easy. I am not by no means. But the win is that you made the ask. That's part one, number one. Number two, disappointment is good. If you were in disappointment, you didn't care. You didn't care about your job. You didn't care about your life. You didn't care about your goals. Disappointment comes with it. You want to be disappointed. You have to. You can't mask that. It will not go away. It means you really cared. If you weren't disappointed, I'd be worried because I sit there and go and you're just like cakewalking through this. You want to be disappointed. Why? Because that means something's not going to happen. But you know what? Work with it. I've never, ever had someone say no and they left the planet and I never saw them again. It doesn't go that way. You hear it. You feel it doesn't go that way. So disappointment, embrace it, move on. It's part of it. Laura, I'm so glad you asked that because in my teachings, one of my favorite sayings is asks minus no's equals yeses. Like you have to swing if you want to hit a home run. And I feel like so often people don't want to swing because they want that perfect moment, right? These perfect conditions with the perfect pitch. And it's like, you got to swing. You do. You do. And even like, just watch your niece and nephew playing baseball. Everybody wants the touchdown, the home run, the lacrosse goal. I mean, they all want, and that's good. Goals are great, but you're right. You got to jump out there and do it. But again, embrace disappointment. It's It meant that you cared. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And then we're going to get to the questions that are streaming in right now. Yes, ma'am. Let's talk about money baggage, because I feel like so often what gets in the way of the ask is all of the stuff, all of the emotion that we bring about money into the ask. Presumably we're asking someone who has wealth. I feel like there's this chasm of distrust between us because the donor is like armed up like, oh my God, I know you're going to ask me for money. The fundraiser is like all riled up. They have the thing that they want to say. They may have lots of money baggage. So I guess my question here is, what work do we need to do before getting to the meeting, especially around our money stuff? Right. There's a step back you need to take. It's a whole journey of what does money mean to you? Step number one is that. Step number two is what does it mean to the person you're about to ask? Not do they have it? Not don't they have it? What does it mean to them? How many times have heard the story, a person of absolutely no means gave the biggest gift? It happens almost every day. Why? Because they know what can do. So what we have to program ourselves is money is nothing more than an opportunity. And I have this great graphic. It's an open door. It's just an opportunity for anything or for anyone. It's an opportunity. But what I'd like to do is This is the exercise I give myself and the person I want to ask for money when I'm not sure. Ask them to share with you their first memory of giving back. Their first memory of giving back. They all have it and so do you. That's your homework. Listen carefully to their stories. That shows you the values they attach. It always comes from home, school, religion. It's going to fall in those three buckets. Maybe it was father, mother, uncle, brother, grandparents, showing them to do something. Maybe it was you giving to your synagogue or church or whatever it is. Maybe it was you helping the kid next door when their parents got divorced. Whatever it was, you knew there was some moment in time when you knew this is the right thing to do. And then you have to sit there and go, yeah, that's what money does. It brings promises. It, and, and, and at any level, 
And especially if you're uncertain how a person really can give or not give. And yeah, their giving pattern shows something, but I want to hear here, what is it? And these are the people you're close to. I ask, and we have some of the best bonding moments ever when they share their stories. I love it. So aligns with everything I believe, which is when you ask good questions, when you're connecting with people, that's when you unlock the generosity. People, they want to share who they are. They want to be seen. They want to be known. They want their stories heard. And when you can do that for someone, then they see you as a partner in the work. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to call on Katie. Katie, you have a good question here. Hi. How do you cultivate relationships ahead of the ask? You know, you talked about not waiting too long to make the ask, but I think especially if you're trying to cultivate relationships with new donors, especially donors that have major funds, there needs to be a bit of a relationship building, a trust building. I guess it sort of links into my second question about how to source new prospective donors, but especially I'm more familiar with how to cultivate a relationship with somebody that we already have some kind of relationship with, how to... transition that into a donor relationship, but how to cultivate completely new relationships? I think the best, and again, a lot of the rules, Katie, have changed from last year. They're not going to go back. It's just simply not going to go back. I think the best thing you can do, especially if they're new people, your new eyes, your new insights would be invaluable. Start asking them questions like, how did you hear about us? Could be a friend. What did the friends say? When they give you something of value, they get attached. It's not you telling them about the organization. Very light. And remember, Katie, your tone is as important as your words. So say, this will ever be so helpful for me and my job. And everybody wants to help people in their jobs and their positions. If we could just learn, if you could describe us in one or two words, what would that be? I mean, this is the fun part. Are you the type of person who was so burnt out on virtual things? And should we ever do them again? Just keep asking for their advice. And they'll get closer and closer, stay in touch. That would be invaluable. And then my number one question for everybody, and always ask this, how do you like to be communicated with? Yeah. After last year, this is key. If they spent a whole year on Zoom, we can't assume they want to do Zoom next year. I don't ask you anything I wouldn't ask myself. And if people ask me, I say, listen, my max is four Zoom calls. And after that, it is a telephone call. So today, after two o'clock, if you want to talk to Laura Fredericks, it will be a call. I know my limit. I just know my limit. Ask them. That is a great question. They're going to say, oh my God, Katie, thank God. Call me. Like, And a lot of donors are late at night, 6, 6.30, Gone are the rules. You have to reach people 9 to 5. I mean, half of the times I do my other work is in 6 to 7.30. And I'm fine with it. So if you want to talk to me about something and get projects, that's the time to reach me. How and when can we communicate with you? That's number one. Number two, how often? And here's a rule that's changed. We always assume or presume that we're giving too much information. We're bothering people. They only call them once a month. This is garbage. I'm here to tell you people and boards and committees and donors and customers and clients, they want to hear from you in a meaningful way. They do. And they don't remember you called them four times. They just remember, I had a good time with Katie this week. That's all they remember. So over communicate until they tell you to stop because they feel attached. Our job is to make sure that they feel like this is a home and that we're empowering the community. Home, community. That's all it is. And that's all you have to do. Have some fun with it. The other thing is, Katie, 
as I'm looking at you, share more of you, be playful, be fun. Who doesn't want to be around fun people? Enjoy it. Don't sit there and say, oh my God, I'm going to ask the wrong questions and then I'm going to blow it. And then I have to wait two weeks. And then what am I going to say in two weeks? Just have fun. Have fun. Be you. I mean, if your kids or spouse or husband or mother are driving you crazy, say, you know what? I'm so happy to be talking to you. My family has to stay over here for a minute and just roll into it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Lots of questions. One thing that you didn't touch on that I would love for you to speak more about is once you get the ask out of your mouth, can you talk about how you get people to not step all over the ask? Because I find this especially with new and nervous fundraisers. I have, and I'm Italian. We like to speak. I have to do something visually. I literally put my hands to my side or sitting under my thighs. Just disgracefully, not like, because if that's still, I'll be still. That's number one. Number two, if you're doing this with a volunteer, if you speak, I will guarantee you'll get no money. That usually makes them quiet. And it's true. You are stealing someone's thunder. It's like going to a Broadway show and you jump up and fill in with the chorus because you're a better dancer. And everybody's going to look at you like, what? It's the same thing. You can't step in. You can't put the spotlight on you. No. Practice. Because a second can feel like a year. But give them the breathing room. Just give them the breathing room. Even if they look terribly uncomfortable, give them the breathing room. Remember, hands by your side. All right. Excellent question coming in from Logan. Logan, you want to ask? So full disclosure, I'm brand new at my organization. Been here for about three weeks. I come from a background in nonprofit on the volunteer side of things. But this is my first real soiree into a fundraising role. So happy to be here. We're a great organization. I won't be too long-winded. But one of the things that is a major goal for us is engaging our board more. So at the grand scheme of things, we want ultimately 100% of the board to be donating Right now, we might be at 30% or less. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on how to approach that. (laughs) No, it's very common and it's sad and it hurts me when I hear this. Okay, here's my thing on boards and this is how I train boards and this is how you should go forward. You with me? Okay, every board you have to look is in groups of threes. It's the rule of three. There's going to be a group and they're the smaller ones that are the eager achievers. They'll say, yes, I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. And it's small. Those are the people we like. There's the middle group we call the learners. Oh, Logan, tell me whatever you want. Show me this. Send me a book. Give me a podcast. They're the learners, right? They're kind. And then there's the third that would rather swallow poison than hear the word money or fundraise. Now what happens? If we talk to them all at once, this group brings this group down and everybody stays in the middle. So you have to figure out which buckets they fall in and talk to them individually. Does it take time? Yes, it does. Is it worth it? Yes, it does. You can't talk to your board as a whole. You're just everybody. You know why? People are going to look around and say, oh, I gave. I'm good. I'm off the hook. Now, maybe that person could have made an elevated gift for you, too. But you have to go and say, where are you at on your fundraising comfort level? That's the question you ask them. And they'll just say, oh, well, I did this campaign over here. Oh, explain that to me. And they could have just sat there and done nothing. But where are you on the fundraising comfort level? And if they're terrible and they don't want to do it, this is what you do. And this is what you can do all together as an exercise, but especially for group number three here. In one sentence, back to writing. Sorry, it's the author in me. Write why you're here 
out of the 1.6 million registered charities, you could sit anywhere, one sentence, why are you here? Then you go around the room and you read them. And then what I do, it's really sneaky. I pick up like my little briefcase and I leave the room and they're like, where are you going? Where are you going? I said, that's fundraising. They're like, what? I said, all you have to do is say that one line over and over again to anyone you meet. I don't care if you're in a gas line. I don't care if you're in the supermarket. I don't care if you're at a ball game. I don't care if you're on the golf course. I don't care if you're doing yoga. Look over the mat. Hey, guess what? I'm on this board because it's fundraising. And then they feel complimented. They're like, hey, I'm doing fundraising. Now, if you were to give them a list and say, okay, of the 18,000 people, who do you know? And tell me what's our next step. You're not going to get anything. So that's how you do it. Thirds. I have a question coming in from Shane. Shane. Yeah, so I'm also new to an organization, joining as an executive director, but it's a very small organization. So I'll be creating new relationships and sort of fostering existing ones. But a lot of it's going to be, I think, from my perspective, cold calling and wondering about engaging with new potential donors that maybe are not aware of the organization or don't have a current relationship with it. So, Shane, what I'm going to say, and to anyone who's new in a position, use your newness to your advantage. You're there to learn. You're on a listening tour, Shane. You just got here. And so what I would do is, depending on where you are and people's comfort level, maybe you want to gather two or three of them at the same time on a Zoom call in someone's backyard or wherever you are and say, I need to learn from you. What do you know about us? What are the things you think I should tackle right now? Where's the competition and how can we either collaborate or something? You're on a listening tour. And that's how you get into people on what we call a cold call. Remember, here's the rule. People will talk to you, Shane, if they're giving you something, not their perception that you're coming to tell them every wonderful square inch of your organization. You'll go nowhere. Right now, you're on a listening tour. And you want to be the best ED and blow this place out of the boat. You wouldn't have taken the job unless your heart's into it. Where are you based? Where are you, Shane? Uh, I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So just do it. And the thing is, don't say, oh, the United States gives more than Canada. Listen, the world is flatter than flat after last year. I mean, we're just flatter than flat. There's pockets to be done everywhere. But I would go on a listening tour. Do I become the best ED with your help? And okay. guess what? They're going to follow your progress, and now you have them. Love it. Thank you. Good. You're welcome. Let me ask this, Laura, because I I have an opinion about this. I also think that there's a place for storytelling. Not extensive. Like, you're not going to tell everyone your life story, but, like, working on a concise story about why you have decided to join this organization, why you care about this thing in a really <laughs> personal way yep. has its place. Talk to me about the It does because Shane, once you start asking questions, they're going to ask back. So that's a big thing about asking here. We do a lot of questions with it, but whatever you ask, you have to be prepared that they're going to ask you back. So they're going to say, Shane, like what made you come here? You could have gone to 1.5 million registered charities and all the charities up in Canada. Why did you pick this one? But my caveat to that Maria, is keep it short. So Shane, just like we did with a board member in one or two sentences, say, this led me here. Or if it's totally different, I'd been doing all this. I wanted to turn and learn something new, right? When people say to me, how'd you get into consulting and training? And I said, you know what? I had worked for major hospitals and universities. I want universal like knowledge of what groups can do and how I can help them. And that's why I do it. And it makes sense. 
So share that too. So I agree with you, storytelling, but in this world right now, it's got to be short. Shorten it up so they keep asking you, oh, well, Shane, where were you? Oh, I never heard of that group. And so you get questions back. Absolutely. I mean, I think I've said this before. Very few people are natural born storytellers. So you mm-hmm. have to practice it. Get your personal story down to two minutes. Laura, can we talk about what happens after the ask? Because I think where we as a sector are notoriously bad is the ongoing stewardship. So Mm -hmm. what happens once you get the ask out, you get the yes, party time, everyone's happy. How do we continue to cultivate the relationship so that it becomes a recurring gift? Because I always say, I don't count it as a donor until I get the second gift. Again, rules have changed and it's to make it tight to the person's benefit so that Things are streamlined. Remember, we just want to streamline this, make it easy. During the ask, not after, (laughs) during, I usually say, when and if you to make this spectacular gift, how do we best stay in touch with you? How do you like to be communicated with? How much do you want to be involved? You get it done there. All rules are, wait, 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 follow up, steward. But by that time, what do they want? What does that look like? And we start giving them monumental things to be the equivalent of the level. Well, that those rules are gone. I know $5 million donors that say, call me twice a year. I know $100 donors that want to call every hour. And so do you. But at the ask, ask them, how can we communicate with you? And keep it on a roll, Bria. Like everybody now, remember, Let external forces guide what you do internally. That's the number six. Let external forces guide what you do internally. What's happening here? We're re-emerging. What are people doing? Traveling, Uh, 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 like exhibit A. They're traveling. So while you're talking to them saying, are there better months or less desirable months for us to show you what's going on? Get the calendar going, but it's right here. You don't have to chase after them. You're like, oh, you know what? The whole month of July, I am gone. Now we know. So great. We'll circle back with you mid-August. And now you have your stewardship step. But ask them. Don't give them the stuff. Don't give them the time. Ask them what they want because they know. And then you follow it. Let's talk about moves management because I think this is actually, it dovetails into like the old school way of thinking like, I'm just going to have these like 10 different steps and then we're going to cycle people through it. And then at the end of all of these steps, this thing happens. Like talk to me about the death of moves management because I personally think it's very outdated, but what do you think? It is. It is. And last year, as we say, proverbially, there was a fork in it. So as you're talking to people and remember, you're going to hear, what do you need? How can I help? What I can do? And all of a sudden, the five steps you want to do are over because we're at the moment of the ask. So everybody is individual. You have to treat everyone specifically and individualistically. And everyone's going to be different. Some people want, they want the dance. So give it to them. Some people are like, I don't have time for this. What's going on? And you do it. Yes, moves management has its place. You have to know, like, and trust you. And then you ask. So it has its place, but I'm just saying it just got squozen. It's not this long anymore. It's this big and you have to be ready, but that requires energy. Whatever energy level you can bring it, bring it to them. If they'll be like, listen, I can't focus on any of this. Say, fine. When can you? I'm just here to make it easy. You have to put your personality in here and it's going to go well. It's going to go well. You wouldn't say to a friend, well, I can't meet you for happy hour until December 15th. Okay, that wouldn't happen. Just the same thing you would do with them, do over here and it's going to go well. 
as you're talking, it occurs to me too that we have to be mindful of the different kinds of cultures, like finance and tech people. They want to know what you want, generally speaking, right now, I don't need the romance. And then you have other folks who maybe are like retired and have a lot more time on their hands. So I think to your point, it's about reading the room, understanding the culture of the folks that you're asking, but also asking them what they want. You do. And the other thing is everybody, and I mean, everybody wants data, but don't go crazy with the data. Foundation funding right now, a lot of it's going to social injustice and on and on. They want to see where is your group now? Where do you want to be? Where's the metrics? How do you benchmark you becoming more diverse? Not just saying it. Where are the benchmarks? That's number one. Number two, especially with corporate sponsorship, getting back to earlier today. Okay, who else are you seeing and where will this actually go? Do I have options? So lay it out. I'm not saying kill them with, but people crave data. Even if you're one like Shane, you're brand new there, you may not have it, but say one of the things I want to do is make sure we can show simply and concisely where we're going and then you lead them along. Data is very data driven. Here's the thing about data, though. I feel like we sometimes use it as a crutch to avoid the vulnerable conversation. So what I tend to think is that people use data to back up an emotional decision that they've already made. I have it in my back pocket because you want to keep it light in a conversation. But they'll be like, remember, know exactly what you want with numbers and dates. So if you're there, it's like, well, well, exactly like how many students are we talking to compared to what you've done in the last two years? You have it. It's here. People like numbers because they can see it. Just put it back here. But especially with capital campaigns, which I can't believe I'm doing three right now, which is like bizarre. The big thing is about cash flow. This is very good for anyone doing campaigns out here. It is an impetus to get people to make gifts quicker rather than later. If you know you need to break ground or add or do something by May 2022, you're going to need X amount. So if a person is going to pledge it out three years, say this is it in real time, would you consider that first gift to be larger and the other two to be years two and three? So that's kind of what I mean, Rhea, about data too and, and knowing because it works. Can you talk a little bit about, and this is the last question because I could talk to you for hours. Last like, question? No. I know. Well, Laura, we should hang out more often, but let's talk about the terminology you use. Would you consider is that the right? Are there other ways that we can ask or frame up the question? Again, this is an old rule and I'm glad you brought it up. I mirror their language. So if I think that's something soft they'd like, I do it. But I usually say we've thought long and hard and we have an extraordinary opportunity. Let me explain. And that's how I introduce the ask. That's my favorite line. But if someone is like, oh, you know, you're going to come and I'm tired of these fundraisers hit me over the head. That's when you might want to be a little bit softer. Would you consider? So you have to know. And sometimes age and as you say, culture comes into the word selection. You have to be very mindful of that. So that's why I say in getting to know them and using your own personality, be very specific of the words they use, because when you send them back, you're in sync. Be very mindful. And my last thing for you is dive and pour through people's emails. There are jewels in there that we just gloss over, answer back and on, pull it out and say, wow. And actually hidden in there could be the way you're going to rephrase your ask. I love that. That's such a gem. Okay. In the last few minutes, Laura, where can people find out more about you? Where can they buy your book? Because people are loving what you're saying. Book. Okay. The, the book is awesome. Everything's easy. 
<laughs> expertontheass.com is my website. All social media, all social media, including LinkedIn, is Expert on the Ask. Could we make this easy peasy? And the book you want is the Ask for Business, for Philanthropy, for Everyday Living. It's got 175 ways you can ask for anything you want, even for your children to clean up their rooms. Laura, thank you so much. This was so informative. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing for the sector. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you, Ria. Take Be care. Well. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.